0: This is Michael Collo from Crypto Cappuccino. Today's a very special podcast. We'll be talking about recent activities in Celsius with the guardians of the blockchain. I think this is a especially interesting and very relevant podcast. We recorded it literally yesterday, and it's really about responding to the recent market turbulence and giving you a good sense of what's going on in the world of digital assets. I hope you enjoy Hi, everybody. This is Michael Colo from Clans, and we have a special edition of Crypto Cappuccino here for you with two very, very special guests from Guardians of the Blockchains, Pavel and Ilya. First of all, before we begin this very special episode where we'll be talking about recent market turbulence, Celsius, collateral, uh, and a whole bunch of other interesting related topics, I'm just going to get both of you to introduce yourself briefly. Pavel, if you want to go first and then Ilya, uh, anyway.
1: Okay, I will start. So I'm Pavel Antin. Welcome from Brisbane. And uh, I'm PhD in international economics, 27 years in the market, in uh, technologies, uh, several fintech companies behind. Uh, We've exits uh, uh, two artificial intelligence companies and currently I'm CEO and co-founder of GBC.ai, guardians of the blockchain. So we are the first company in the world which integrated artificial intelligence uh, into core level of blockchain. Ilya?
2: Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, my name is Ilya. I'm based in Brisbane as well. Uh, my background is uh, within IT industry more than... 18 years already, also graduated in finances. Uh, I'm also co-founder in GBC and uh, in our company, I'm responsible for uh, operations and finances.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, gentlemen. And so thank you so much for coming on so quickly. It's a wonderful thing about being in the same time zone, although not quite in the same city. In Australia is that we get to talk to each other very, very rapidly. So um, from what I've observed, and please treat me like a kindergarten child here in this conversation, because I haven't had a chance to read up on all the background, which I'm sure won't be too high, Pavel. Um, Maybe we could start a little bit about what's been happening with Celsius. Pavel? Uh,
1: You know, Michael, such kind of comment, Celsius mostly was the trigger. I mean, like, uh, it it uh because the story started uh you know before it was uh, first of all, it was terra then celsius unfortunately we expecting, like furthermore there would be more cases in the market and uh i mean like uh, all crypto market uh, is uh, is very young ultimately young and we are not speaking about regulation only. We're speaking about technologies themselves. We are speaking about the of the companies, what kind of business activities uh, they hold. Uh, it's a very interesting period of time. And uh, it was uh, expected long ago. Uh, you know, any kind of young marketing technologies, usually it's not evolutionary, but revolutionary. So sooner or later something happens very fast. And then the market gets to the next stage. So, exactly right now, this is happening. So, uh, uh, because like all years before, it was kind of crypto-anarchy from uh, young technology to market itself. Uh, and uh, uh, currently, uh, there are like thousands, a lot of thousands of approaches in the market, but not all of them rep- represent purely products in demand and technologies. So, uh, some of these companies, they don't have product at all. And uh, uh, and uh, you know, before getting to the next stage of maturity, market has to clean up itself. Usually it happens during different kind of crises and currently we are uh, in a big international financial crisis. And because crypto market nowadays is so highly correlated with other financial markets, especially with NasDAq. So I mean like the whole movement started and then there were several big triggers, First trigger was uh, Terra, now it's Celsius. Uh, if speaking about like the station with Celsius itself and some like technical issues, like India, yeah, possibly you will comment on it.
2: Uh, well, uh, here it's not about tech actually. It's not about uh, the technology itself. It's about the economy. Actually, what is happening with uh, Celsius? It's Kind of uh, the process of the leverage. It is happening all over the uh, financial markets, uh, in uh, traditional stock exchanges, in bonds, everywhere, in derivatives. And uh, what we are experiencing here is that uh, Celsius uh, is in a better position than actually Terra Foundation was, because uh, Celsius is kind of, uh, well, it's defi. it's not fully DeFi. They have the opportunity to actually pose withdrawals to uh, work out a solution. So they have been able to avoid the death spiral uh, that Luna went into. And well, uh, although it goes against actually uh, what Web3 is about, but uh, the way it is right now, it is much better than, for example, that uh, Celsius would have much more liquidations and uh, that would drop price uh, much lower And by price, I mean uh, generally all the assets because uh, Celsius is quite a big player uh, within the market. So if they start dumping uh, Bitcoins, uh, Ethereums and all other coins that they hold, uh, that will lead to much more liquidations uh, for other uh, players within the uh, cryptocurrency market.
0: So you think that they hold some kind of systematic risk in this market? In other words, if they should go down, then you would see that more deleveraging like more of the dominoes will fall across other protocols and other uh, areas of the crypto world
2: uh well they don't uh have let's say existential they don't bring existential risk uh, to the crypto markets but obviously as uh, a major uh, one of the major companies in the market they have quite a lot of assets the best example here for example what happened with Lehman Brothers during uh, the GFC so uh, it was just one of the major banks uh, one of the major uh, financial institutions and the collapse of Lehman led to very serious consequences with uh uh central banks uh, in Europe in US had to step down to actually save the economy here the risks are lower obviously because uh, Celsius is not like full scale lemon but uh the collapse of uh, Celsius for example or some other major uh financial institution working within crypto will definitely lead to further sales
0: so, so that, that's a good question. So, let's say that I have very limited crypto background, which is probably not that far from the truth. So, we can we can say that. Um, so, how should I think about Celsius if I'm thinking about this from the outside? Is Celsius a kind of a decentralized bank equivalency? Like people put their money into Celsius with the view that that money would then be invested in DeFi or, or in kind of yield generating protocols. And essentially, in the same way that I would put my money into a bank, hoping that, for example, I would have a okay, somewhat more risky savings account. So it's not necessarily a say, riskless saving account, but a risky savings account. And then if the bank said, right, you can't withdraw your money, aka it's got a bank run on its hand, is that what we think is happening with Celsius at the moment, that it's basically stopped the withdrawals because... Um, something about the underlying protocols that it's putting the money through was not actually able to deliver that yield or not able to return the money?
2: Uh, well, uh, the comparison with bank here is uh, quite good in terms of that uh, your census is a cent- uh, centralized financial organization. So even working in uh in the field of cryptocurrencies and the blockchain industry, after all, it's still a traditional CFI company. So when you deposit uh, money into Celsius, uh, it's like saving account. That is completely correct. So you are aiming to earn uh, APYs, uh, aiming to earn some returns, and these returns are brought to you by Celsius how they manage your money that's completely a different story and uh with SeFi, actually it is not that obvious uh the same as with traditional banks so when you deposit money in cba or uh, whatever bank uh, you trust you don't know what happens inside with DeFi, uh, it is the same actually, and that is the main difference uh, between uh, centralized finances and decentralized finances. So, Celsius has risks on their own. They uh, deposit your money within uh, some DeFi protocols that has their own risks, and so on. So, uh, the longer, let's say, uh, the value of creating uh, additional returns, the more risks are there. So, well it's it's the same i mean it's not just crypto it's uh the same for economy the laws of economy work uh, the same in uh traditional finances and in uh crypto field as well
0: right. i've always found that really interesting because so we um we just came back from the consensus conference in in texas and What was interesting about that is we had lots of conversations about uh, decentralized finance protocols, so lending protocols, exactly the ones that you described. And it's so interesting for me to see that as an example case, if I were to tell you there's a good investment opportunity to buy Bitcoin at price A and then sell at price B or Ether or whatever manner, anything, I don't really have to describe to you who is going to push up the price from A to B. What is gonna be the reason that you make that money from A to B? I'm just gonna kind of wave my hands around and go talk about adoption, I'm talking about efficiency and so on. But when I'm talking about APYs, I'm talking about yield, I'm talking about somebody paying me that money. I feel like I'm almost required to understand who is gonna pay me. So if I'm gonna deposit my money in a protocol, I expect to receive 10% savings rate on that stable coin. Who is on the other side paying, let's say 12% into that protocol to borrow that money? And it's very interesting that the conversations I had. Nobody really had a good answer for that question. There was a, there was a context that well, there's some people out there. Maybe, you know, exchanges themselves. Maybe, um, you know, traders. Maybe other people. So I don't, I don't know how, how. Therefore, how do we think about counterparty risk in the context of DeFi or in the things like um, uh, Celsius? That if we put money in there, how do we quantify that counterparty risk?
2: Uh Well, well for end-user, let's say, uh, for uh, average person, it is almost impossible to quantify such risks. Uh, again, uh, there are a lot of parallels with uh, traditional finances and uh, decentralized finances here. And the question that you have arised, uh, it's a really great one. Uh Well, it is obvious if bonds are providing returns of 1% to 3%, let's say, and... uh the APYs on stable coins are more than 10%. Uh, there is a simple question why? Uh, normally, if uh, you have a safe instrument where you can get such a high returns. Uh, well, major financial institutions will jump in to get those returns. But uh, they can understand those risks because they have uh, departments that does all the calculations, that builds financial models. And it's a large group of people actually uh, working full-time on an everyday basis, monitoring those risks, trying to predict uh, some conditions and so on. So, For a single user uh let's say for me for you or for pavel uh it is literally impossible to do such a job because well uh, it just requires uh, too much time and there are so many uncertainties that can hardly be uh calculated by a single person uh well yeah that is pretty much the answer
1: Yeah, you know, like my side comment, like, uh, uh, and point of view, uh, you know, like in, in any kind of financial products, it's about financial literacy, but uh, uh about any uh, products, crypto products, it's not all the financial literacy, but if you are a tech savvy person or not. Because getting into these products, uh, you definitely like you, you have to be tech-savvy. Understand like uh, how DeFi functions and the different functions, and uh, so it's not about only a user or investor psychological, uh, not only about his rational his rational perception, but psychological perception. The problem with Celsius, I mean, like the problem, uh, it's not like any DeFi that mostly they considered to be a custodial solution it's almost like trustworthy custodial solution. They're like, your risk are almost zero, you know? And uh, that's the reason why uh, Celsius really seriously triggered the whole market. Because if you read uh, thoroughly all well, forums of uh, investors in, in Celsius, most of the writing, or like, by God, like I, I, it was for me like safe place way to keep my assets. <laughs> now like, I'm not able, they're locked there. So and uh, of course uh, people are frustrated, and uh, so it was. Uh, it, it was expected to be trustworthy, and now this trust is crushed, and it's very bad. Bad trigger for the whole market, and uh, uh, in my perception, it's uh, you know like all this CFI. It is not, not only about Celsius, but like BlockFi. Nexa, uh, it's very strange and interesting combination of like CeFi and DeFi, like CeFi solution for DeFi products. Uh, uh, but uh, the whole, I mean, like uh, they they have their place in the market mostly because as I ex- uh, already explained, people have uh, uh, problems with financial literacy and also they're not tech savvy. So this kind of CeFi solutions are supposed to be some kind of friendly user interface to work with DeFi products, <laughs> but people find out that DeFi also means that there are some people who can take decisions, lock their money, unlock their money, and uh, it kills the whole idea of decentralization. So, and uh, this is the exactly that I was like speaking in the beginning about revolution, you know, some kind of revolution, because after breaking this trust possibly the people feel will figure out that the uh, Web3 is about decentralization. So they have to be purely DeFi solutions.
0: And I think that, that's a great a great question here. So this idea of centralized finance or, or CFI, as you say, is a very thin layer that allows people to access into the DeFi. DeFi there's decentralized finance, essentially little bits of lending. And if we think about this as, maybe I'll reframe it as, as peer-to-peer. So there's many different peer-to-peer lending elements and they kind of group them together, you should be getting diversification or some amount of diversification, and then you can package them together and offer them to clients, which I think a lot of staking and yielding portfolios are meant to function. But I want to, I want to curiously ask about this question of how was Celsius able to lock people's funds? Is it was, is, is that just the characteristics of CFI, AKA I go them, I give them my money and they therefore have control of it. Because I think, as you say, That seems to be one of the key differentiation of true decentralized finance is I retain control of my money at all times. Nobody can move it or or take it away from me.
2: Well, to put it simply, uh, the short answer to your question, uh, Celsius has activated clause in uh, their terms uh, uh, and conditions. And uh, according to that, uh, obviously, their lawyers took care uh, about such possibility. So... uh, If we speak about uh, how technically it is done, uh, well, your comparison with the bank uh, is quite correct or some fintech organization. So as it is a centralized platform, they can uh, stop uh, you from withdrawing your money. Well, obviously at Celsius, it's like uh, a fintech or a bank app. It's not uh, a real decentralized uh, protocol. That's uh, the main issue here.
0: And again, back to your previous point, unless you were very savvy to that difference, you would be somewhat concerned. So I think Binance recently uh, paused some trading activities as well on specific assets. And that seems to me like, okay, they did not stop people. Well, they did kind of by defecto the stop you making withdrawals by the fact that you can't sell your position at this time for that type of asset class but is there a bit of a divide happening now in this industry between truly decentralized versus kind of the kind of centralized decentralized agents it's a good
1: question you know because mostly web3 is not only about decentralization but about full transparency and if we are speaking about some pioneers in the market, in crypto market like you mentioned Binance For example, it's again it's a matter of trust, but you never know what's happening inside. (laughs) It's not transparent. And but uh, if speaking about web web free, it should be, you know, it should be. Um, uh, So and uh, we are shifting. So uh, like we are shifting to web free. Like for example, for fintech, we are shifting to fintech 2.0, which is about decentralization also. And uh, uh, decentralization means uh, trust because less people are involved, like able to take decisions, actions, you know, like, uh, and also it's pure, it's transparent. then you know, like it's great, it creates more trust. So this is exactly what, like how we use technologies. We use technologies to increase level of trust. And uh, this is getting back, for example, to artificial intelligence. Less people understand, uh, uh, more people understand that uh, other people are not able to interact and to interfere, like stopping something, you know, or whatever, if they're not regulated or something. then uh, they have more trust uh, that because it's functioning automatically and uh, no issues may arise.
0: Well, it, it, it's, it's a great thing you say that because it's, um, I was looking back over the press articles this morning and finding, do you remember that time in 2009 where they stopped people shorting banks? So it was like early March in 2009, they, they, they pulled out this ASIC Australia, but also the US and Europe. And they basically stopped that because the, the shorting on the markets was crushing these prices and ultimately crushing the companies. And then once they did that, and obviously they announced certain other um, you know, bailouts and things like that, then obviously markets rallied very aggressively. There was a huge risk rally and so on. I mean, that's not, I suppose the question for us is, do we want those types of fail-saves in the crypto space, because if we don't, let's say we go full decentralized model and we let prices go wherever they may go, we do not stop, um, you know, things like fire sales and illiquidity events, and and we allow as much shorting as possible, and so on. So, if, for example, it's profitable to continue to short certain major um, protocols and tokens, then they'll continue to get shorted on some major exchanges, and eventually those those um, systems will fail, right? And so. It, the, the answer will be, well, maybe the underlying economics of the system was fine, but it was more profitable to kill it than it, for certain traders than to kind of keep it alive for longer. And it's very interesting because in, in the case of global economies, the government stepped in and stopped that activity because they wanted to preserve jobs and industries and so on in, in those uh, companies. For us, I feel like we've, as a community, we've embraced world capitalism. We've said decentralized finance, trading, all good things. But does that mean that we're also expecting that in some cases, good protocols and good tokens will be killed by these kinds of trading activities as well?
2: Uh, Well, mm, I will try to answer this uh, as uh, it is more of uh, a philosophical question uh, actually, rather than a question of the specifics. Uh, In my personal point of view, Uh, I would rather go ahead with full decentralization. But it's my inner uh, feeling, uh, the way I see the world is. But in reality, it won't happen. Well, uh, the way I see it, uh, the way uh, the industry is uh, moving ahead with uh, actual uh, governments, with more regulations coming in. And uh, in some cases... uh, There is definitely uh, a point uh, when it is better to stop, for example. preserving jobs, uh, saving industries, uh, preventing crises. uh, It is very important. Well, realistically, it is very important. And uh, we have advanced uh, greatly during the last, let's say, 100 years in understanding the laws of economy, how it works, and what we can do uh, to actually make crises shorter uh, so they uh, wouldn't bring so much damage. Uh, Should we apply those uh, knowledge uh, into DeFi? Well, I guess uh, we should. It will happen inevitably because uh, realistically speaking, if we uh, go back to uh, financial literacy, uh, it is very complex. It is very hard to understand for uh, an average person how everything works, especially with... Uh, the current financial markets with a lot of derivatives, uh, with futures, options, uh, swaps, and so on, uh, and they already exist uh, within cryptocurrency industry. So, someone has to step in uh, at some point and uh, actually stop uh, the Dove spiral. The question is who uh, actually is uh, a person who can do that? If we use uh, uh, the mechanics of decentralization, at some point, uh, the community, and by community uh, here, I mean not just average users, but a group of experts uh, who are community trust, who opinion they uh, rely on. Uh, such group of experts should be able to make uh, such decisions during uh, the turbulence, during extreme volatility, during uh, the uh, event of crisis. Let's say
1: it's it's again like my, my small side comment. You know, like <laughs> it's the the benefit of the whole web free like, or, like decentralized uh, finance that is created from scratch it uh, gives you opportunity to take best practices from I call it all the economy not digital but all the economy and to bring in and uh, implement it but to leave all the problems i mean like which we can specify and define as problems to leave them behind uh and uh, again uh decentralization web3 is about governance so it's about trans- governance transparency uh it's about being community driven i mean it's, it's all very important mostly it was basics how it was originated and uh i mean it, it's a good way uh, uh but it, it's but again like we have a huge speaking about even uh like uh even not not about uh, institutions but about all the data we have currently on hands we have statistics a lot of statistics. What was successful? What was not successful? So we can measure. What should we bring in? What should we, do we leave behind? You know. So and um, I mean, it's a huge opportunity. So we can we can start and build it up properly, or we can spoil it from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I and I think yeah, I think you're rightly in the sense that uh, it was a very philosophical question. and if you kind of heard me before, I this is a favorite topic of mine. My, I suppose my, my sense is that I think the blockchain community is a little bit naive as to what happens when you allow free trading to happen, and that free trading has feedback onto the underlying actions and of agents in the industry itself. If it's superfluous and it's on the side, it's fine. As soon as that trading and the valuation now impacts real economic decisions, you start to uh, worry. And that's partly because, as you said before, as you began by talking about Pavel, today, let's say Bitcoin behaves like a technology company in the Nasdaq. That's nothing to do with its fundamentals, right? The fundamentals of a digital gold or kind of that that idea of of a means of exchange storage of value has nothing to do with a small cap technology company in terms of its its parameters, but it's about the way that it's traded, right? In the way that it's it's, um, moved around as an asset. And because it's moved around in an asset, it starts to be thought of in that way as well. So the the act of trading an asset actually imbues that asset with the characteristics of the trader or the set of traders that are moving the prices. And therefore, ultimately, I think changes the nature of that asset in terms of how it's deployed and used, much against what it was originally Mm -hmm. conceived of, again, as a storage of value in this particular example. So I I feel like uh, they've a little bit let the genie or the Pandora's box or whatever the analogy might be by allowing these um, protocols and these assets of these protocols to trade freely, completely freely, without any oversight, without any balance, without any, as you said, uh, the governance that allows them to come in and stop trading as a governance tool. Um, and now that that trading behavior itself is forming and shaping the industry, right? And rather than being exhausted of the industry, it's actually coming back and, and, and changing it in terms of, the kind of protocols and activities and trust and adoption level and everything else so i do feel like i mean i've worked most of my life in financial markets where i have seen perfectly normal reasonable companies being massively misvalued continuously and therefore they're taking business actions based upon their valuation they're making mer- mergers and acquisitions because they think that their share prices are high or they're cutting cost staff because their share prices are low but not actually because of the economic activities that they're actually conducting so I think there is a sort of a danger here, but I want to return back a little bit to where we sit now. So we've got Celsius having um, halted withdrawals. Have, have they resumed withdrawal yet or they're still halted? Still halted? Sorry. Yeah. Um, and now we're all kind of wondering, as we were in 2009, who else uh, under the surface is, is potentially impacted and might be halting again? And we're kind of waiting for whether there's a community-based centralization of somebody to step in and um, basically stabilize the markets through some kind of action. I think in the meantime, blockchain as a concept is an extremely strong technology. It continues to see wide scale investment and adoption across industries. So I feel like there's also kind of two stories here. I mean, are you seeing the the blockchain quite divorced from, I suppose, what's happening in crypto or what's the relationship between the two?
2: Well, uh, in my idea, uh, the technology, uh, the idea, the philosophy behind uh, blockchain, behind uh, Web3, it will remain, it will prevail no matter what happens uh, short term with the markets. Uh, All those uh, price hikes or price drops, well, they happen. Uh, They happen with traditional finances, with uh, traditional stock markets. Uh, It's part of the normal process. Uh, Within crypto, uh, the volatility is uh, very high. Well, that's the reality of uh, a growing market because it is not mature yet. But the technology it will remain uh it will keep developing and here i personally like comparison with the dot com bubble uh for example what happened during uh, dot com uh, a lot of companies has crashed uh a lot of companies has lost uh 90% of their valuation but the technology uh, kept developing so uh, based on uh, what has happened uh, in the beginning uh, of uh, this uh, century or this millennium even uh, is based where we are right now so the tech kept developing the same will happen here the technology will uh, remain it is not going anywhere so Uh,
1: you know michael i will possibly separate crypto and blockchain Uh, so blockchain it's technology so uh uh, it's happening the same as with artificial intelligence so artificial intelligence is applicable now in every industry everywhere same with blockchain it's applicable you know so and uh, it is sooner or later it's inevitable it will be used everywhere uh speaking about crypto uh like tokenization of assets because tokenization as instrument of digitalization, so it's like it has all, it has huge opportunities which are already officially recognized by top investment banks and you know everyone. So uh, it's it's uh, 21st century. It's it's it's, it's digital uh, period of time and uh uh and like look at uh, jp morgan like goldman sachs and everything like that they're, they're all ideas it's not only cbdc so about that you can tokenize all of the assets worldwide and expect- expectation of tokenization like it was somewhere like uh, 800 trillion dollars of uh, uh assets to be tokenized in like further years so this is like this is crypto we saw the early stage of crypto So now we are getting to not mature, but like closer to maturity. And when institutions already get involved, state gets involved, enterprises get involved, you know. So if you are speaking about tokenization and uh, market of digital assets, it will be huge. It's just current market of Bitcoin or whatever crypto, it's nothing compared to it.
0: No, I I completely agree, and I think uh, the analogy that I often go to with this thing is, imagine sitting there, and I'm going to get this wrong, but let's say 18th century, some point, with a bunch of other, you know, wealthy merchants who are used to investing in boats that go to East India and pick up spices or whatever, and you're you're saying to listen, guys, we're going to create this thing called the equity market, and we're going to you know essentially tokenize the revenue streams of all of these different merchant ships, and everybody we were to buy it, all investors from small and big, five dollars to five thousand dollars, anything in between. And, you know, it will be completely distributed. They would have looked at you and and gone, this is a bit silly. I'm just used to, you know, purchasing into boats and then obviously the technology followed. So I think, as you say, the tokenization and the speed to market of that tokenization, more importantly, the ability to take a project or an idea or an IP or any of these concepts, break it down into component parts, importantly, make it scarce. So obviously kind of infinite parts or infinite size, and then allow people to trade it and move it around. Um, in an efficient way is probably, well, I mean, it's already here in so many secondary markets, but I think it's going to be, you know, really boosted by this technology. So look, I, I like you, share this sentiment, that blockchain and some elements of the crypto space or token space, I think, are, are going to be here to stay. I think as an industry, we're still walking around looking for um, nails with a hammer, which is to say there's a lot of industry applications yet to be discovered, But the amount of volume of money and interest and talented people that are going to the space, like with AI, it feels like it's almost inevitable that we will make some very significant breakthroughs and applications and economic impact. But I think, yeah, we're not quite so clear as to where exactly that's going to be, but it's going to be. Um, Well, on- Go on. sorry leo go,
2: go. oh, so, so, sorry well uh i completely agree with what you just said and uh there is a great uh graph actually that shows uh internet adoption and the blockchain adoption and uh right now if we compare them uh, we are in 1999 or 1998 of internet adoption so Uh, As we all know how it accelerated uh, furtherly, we can expect uh, the same for the blockchain industry or uh, the blockchain technology, actually. And if we just uh, think how internet impacted our lives, impacted economy, uh, impacted the creating of value, if something similar or at least little bit similar uh, will happen uh, with the blockchain technology the opportunities are tremendous
1: you know Mike, just like uh, three hours ago i had uh, some discussion uh, with guys in california and we just mentioned like one big american corporation with we know like and they're pretty conservative they're technological but they're pretty conservative and that's told okay like web3 or whatever and they told me like Pavel you know they already created division web 3 division so they're working on
0: it. Oh, so yeah absolutely I, I think there's no there's a lot of work going on in the background as you say in industry. I'm even happy to name a number of you know organizations like IBM and others who are working very much in this space. And I think, you know, Google Cloud and a whole bunch of other engineers have publicly spoken. Nomura said they're going to hire 100 people. You know, Goldman Sachs, uh, BlackRock, all public news stories, Citadel as well. Um, So I think think there's no question that there's a lot of big institutions that see value in this space and that we'll see a lot of amazing things coming. And, And in many ways, I think this market turbulence now will kind of move us into, as you said, adolescence, maybe the beginning of adolescence, something like that. Um, what interested me is that in that conference we just came from in Texas, which was 15,000 people from all around the world talked about all elements of blockchain and Web3. The most common comparison was actually even earlier than 1999. It was actually 1992. Because I think what they were thinking about much more is the application of blockchain in commerce. So very specifically in industries or businesses using that technology or elements of that technology versus, let's say, the amount of people that have touched crypto or owned Bitcoin or something like that, which obviously is much higher number but that feels like more of a speculative asset like the big difference for me is ai as you mentioned pavel was something that didn't have a token with it associated with it (laughs) didn't have a bitcoin equivalency that you could buy and sell and trade and so therefore it slowly seeped into lots of industries and and started to lift those industries And, and i think the technology of blockchain will probably do something similar but um, look, it's been an amazing having you guys on. Thank you so much for very quickly connecting and giving us your views on Celsius, the market, the technology of blockchain, the future. Um, And it's fantastic to see you guys uh, in the midst of all of this, uh, as well as an Australian company. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah, our thank pleasure. You. It's a pleasure. Thank you.
0: If you enjoyed listening to that little bit of podcast, please do come to our website, check it out, sign up for recent updates and future podcasts as well. We think it's very important to keep telling you about what's happening in markets, even if that news is not so good. That's part of our ethos here about giving you uh, data and information, insights, analyses to make you more informed and to understand the space better. And we'll certainly continue to do that for our investors, for our clients,
2: and for our community. Thanks for listening in.